Welcome to another episode of Frasier, the weekly show that helps educate and enlighten business owners with tried and tested advice from industry experts. Join host Kahiga Tiaga in conversation with entrepreneurs from around the world, sharing their stories and solutions to help you set up and sustain your own business operation. That's here only on Frasier. Hey, Jerome, thanks so much for being on the, our first show, Meet Frasier. Just for the audience, can you please tell people your name and your company, please? Yeah, so welcome. My name is Jerome Lewis. The name of my company is Digital Real Estate Strategy, and I specialize in helping mostly real estate entrepreneurs develop a marketing and tech plan for their business. Terrific. That's really exciting. And we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of months by you joining our meetup and really have enjoyed your contributions. And so I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Just to give a little bit of context to the audience. So my name is Kahiga Tiaga, the host of Meet Frasier. And I run Wellstone Technologies and we're creating Frasier, which is a solution for small business owners to set up and sustain their business operations in 90 days. And throughout the, you know, the last several weeks that we've been talking, you know, Jerome has really provided some insight into you know, how business owners can address parts of their business. And so I'm really excited to, for him to expound on some of those issues. Let's start right off the top and talk a little bit about how you got into your business and kind of what's your day-to-day like. Yeah, so the way I started in this business was, I believe about five years ago, I was in corporate America and I was there after like doing school. So I went to school for like information technology. I did web design and I was working in a data center. And at some point I was tired of working for like that boss. Like we all get tired of that boss. And I decided to, I'm I'm like, Hey, how can I become financially free and get into a better life? And doing my research, a lot of what I kept stumbling across was real estate. People kept saying real estate, real estate, real estate. And they're like, you can get in and you can get started for low money and you can make tens of thousands of dollars. And because of that, I just decided to learn and obsess with how to get into real estate. And I eventually read the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. And you'll hear a lot of people, that book has changed a lot of people's lives in the real estate industry. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I read that book. And one of the things that I picked up within that book was go find a coach and a mentor. So Mm. I took that piece of advice and I went to go find a coach slash mentor. And when I finally found this coach, he told me that he was going to charge me a fee. And at the time I did not have the money. So it was $3,000 that I was going to have to pay this coach and mentor. And I just could not afford it at that time. So I was always a great saver. I had a 401k and you're allowed to tell, like take money out of your 401k, but I had taken out a loan already. So I had to pay off that loan in order to take out another loan. So I, I went to do that again. It took me about a year, maybe two years. I can't remember exactly how long it took, but I paid off that 401k loan. Then I went and paid my mentor. And that's how I got involved in real estate. I started like real estate wholesaling. There was a 90 day program. My mentor helped me get my first real estate deal. I made $10,000 and then I was off to the races to start sure. doing real estate deals. So. You talked about a few things that are kind of hidden in the journey of entrepreneurship. And one of them is kind of getting licensed to become an entrepreneur. 
you know, giving yourself the permission to become an entrepreneur. And so sometimes it's from, you know, having parents who are entrepreneurs. Sometimes it's from, you know, having a circle of friends who may be entrepreneurs or just being naturally drawn to those stories. Which one of those was applicable for you in terms of giving you the most permission to explore entrepreneurship? It's kind of tricky because I think what, what gave me the most permission was a decision for me. It was like, okay, you, people would tell me all the time, you're very business minded. You have this mindset or you have this thing about, you know, I didn't really know what they meant about this thing, but I was like, yeah, I probably could run my own business. And I always, it's always easier said than done. And I was like, sure. I can do this myself. I can work for this guy, but I'm smarter than him. How come I'm working for him? So I decided, I'm like, Hey, I want to go start my own business. And like, entrepreneurship is fun, but it is not easy. You will run into and you will definitely encounter humps and there are going to be ups and downs. And if you are brave enough to go through those ups and downs, you will have some success, but it is not easy. So the decision for me was just deciding. I was like, you know what? I can do this and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make sure I succeed. Perfect. So something that a lot of business owners don't do from jump is to find a business coach that gives them guidance and then also to understand the value of paying to be better at whatever business you're trying to do. It's something that has certainly taken me a long time to do that. Can you tell me, A, what made you specifically identify needing a coach in order to get the right start? And then B, also understanding... (laughs) paying for it, right? Because again, a lot of entrepreneurs just don't think that they have, they should at the beginning. Yes. From my perspective, I was always like a pretty decent saver. And it's not because I'm some amazing person. This is basic stuff. But a book I did not mention was, I forget, I think the Automatic Millionaire. And that book helped me save money to pay off the coaching and mentorship. And one thing about that helped me realize, like I was thinking in terms of investing investment and not an expense, investing in myself, investing in my future, investing in this business. And the way I looked at it is, hey, if you can get into real estate and you can do one deal, like on average, they say that one deal is worth $5,000. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, if I can get in and pay for this coach that's only charging me $3,000 and I can get a deal for $5,000, that means I make $2,000. And I only thought about it as an investment, not an expense. In addition to that, the coaching was for 90 days. So Mm -hmm. that's $1,000 a month. That's really cheap when you think about it. And I want to talk about something like I meet a lot of people that are still trying to do this business and I check in with them or they might check in with me like a year later. And I'm like, Hey, how many deals did you close? Did you do anything? And there's like nothing. So how much time are you using by trying to cheap out on paying for that mentor? So by me paying for that mentor and having him for those 90 days, I was able to close the deal. So not not only did I make money, but I got the experience and something else that I learned along the way and the importance of paying for a mentor is you are not only paying for that mentor, but you're paying for their experience. And more importantly, what you're paying for is you're paying for access to their network. You get access to their network as well. So it's not just that service that you're paying for. You're paying for someone and they're more willing to help you and do things for you because you are part of their network. I want to definitely explore kind of what it means to be a good mentee in a second. But I want to go back to really exploring the mindset of what made you 
decide on a coach and also have the mindset of investing in yourself, right? Because once you adopt the mentality of investment, then you have a, well, I've got to maximize my investment. And then you start looking at if training is your way to maximizing investment, that's, you know, you can see it. But is it because you're in corporate? Is it because you're college trained? Because you're talking about being an IT professional, right? Which is not necessarily a finance mindset or investment. So where did you kind of develop that mindset from? Can't really put a finger on where I developed the mindset, but the best way to put it is money. When you pay for things, you pay for speed. And I, I don't know exactly where I picked that up at, but it was just like a no brainer to me to pay for uh, 90 days to get a bunch of experience and also pay for this person's network. So the mindset was, it's just investing. And I guess we can go back and say it came from Rich Dad, Poor Dad using that book, like investing. It wasn't an expense. It was an investment. And the only way this investment in myself could fail is if I fail and I didn't plan on failing. Sure. So to the extent that we're having a conversation about entrepreneurship and this touches on mindset, I think mindset is a really big part of getting into entrepreneurship and staying in entrepreneurship. And one of the things that I think we acknowledge is where that inspiration comes from, because you've mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and so many people mention it as being one of you know, the things that kind of kick them off, whether it's in terms of real estate or in terms of investment overall. So there's something to be said for a book that comes up over and over again. But pivoting to mentorship and being a mentee, can you talk a little bit about what it means to A, pay to be? I don't know whether you're seeing being, you know, paying for coaching or whether you're a mentor of that person or whether you're a client of that person, but then how much you have to put forward in order to gain the unspoken benefits like access to their network. Can you talk a little bit about that? Could you repeat? Sure. Yeah, just in terms of the being a mentee, right? You said that one of the things that, you know, in paying for the coaches that you have access to their network. And I'm saying, but how much of that is about you being, you know, kind of putting your best foot forward and really showing this person that, you're somebody of value. You're somebody that's taking yourself seriously in spite of paying for their time as well. Yeah. So for me personally, the seriousness was, it's kind of what I said. It's like, look, I'm going to pay and I'm going to invest in myself and I'm going to take this thing seriously. And if you're paying for something, you're paying for someone's expertise and their input, their knowledge. My mindset was, look, do whatever this person says even if you disagree with what this person is saying, because they have success and they're going to lead you to success. That is your best interest to do whatever this person says. I am a huge proponent of don't reinvent the wheel, do what works. And mm. then you modify that. So I didn't want to come in and changing things of what this mentor and this coach was showing me. I came in, I was like, look, I'm going to do everything that he says do, even if it disagrees with my being. Of course, I don't want to encourage that you do anything shady, However, there, like I had to become a different person and I had to pick up on different skills. I just had to become something different in order to be successful. And that was my mindset the entire time. Do what this person is telling me because I'm paying this coach for their mentorship and their structure. And in order for them to respect me and take me seriously, I'm going to need to do what they're telling me to do. So talk a little bit about some of the, because just for those who are joining us, we're talking with Jerome Lewis today about his business journey. 
with the idea of highlighting some of the challenges and some of the, I guess, also the highs of running a business. And so transitioning into some of the fundamentals that you had to put in place as you were building your business. So for example, did you use a lawyer? Did you rely on a lawyer for any of your activities? So in my, the coaching that I paid for, it was like mentorship. And he taught me the technicalities of that specific thing within my business. So within the real estate industry, it's called wholesaling. Mm -hmm. And he taught me how to pick up the soft skills and even the hard skills for wholesaling. And that was just one facet of investing in real estate. And it wasn't necessarily an entire business model. So when it came to like building a business around things, mm -hmm. like I have a systematic mind, I had to go out and find and get through that research myself. Okay. So the way I think about the distinction you just made is one is the service delivery or sort of the revenue generating activity. And then the other is sort of the operating layer of the company, right? To use a kind of a tech term. So how did you kind of build that operating level? And again, I want to be specific because a lot of times the areas that we're focusing on at Frasia are things that business owners overlook because they're so focused on the service delivery line or the revenue generated line. And that's fair enough. But you still are, for example, what kind of entity are you? Are you an LLC? Are you a corporation? Yeah, I'm an LLC. And the way I picked up on that, and I, I have to be honest, was for a long time, I did not pay attention to that. And that was one of the things that I picked up on. I had a mentor and a coach, but I didn't have an advisor or someone like, like your company to come in and be like, oh, do this. Like, I understand that you want to be focused, Jerome, but also along your path, I want you to do this one little thing too. So for sure. a long time, I did not do those things. I was so focused that I was only doing the business. Another book I like to talk about is the E-Myth. And they talk about like small business entrepreneurs and business owners. They talk about the differences in that. And coming to this call and being part of this mastermind group helped me realize that, hey, Jerome, you got to start doing things a little more like an owner versus a single entrepreneur. Sure. And again, I'm just going to come back to this because I think a lot of people don't really talk about this at this level of detail with peers. So what made you realize that you needed to form a company and how did you go about doing it? Did you use a professional? Did you do it yourself based on the fact that you had mentorship? What route did you go? Yeah. So what helped me realize that I needed a company was I was getting like a lot of attention. So I got into this business doing like real estate. I was only a real estate investor and I was only worried about what we call wholesaling in real estate. And I picked up very specific skills. Like you learn basically marketing. So I picked up very specific marketing skills, direct marketing, digital marketing. I picked up very specific skills within this industry. And when I picked up those skills, I was realizing that I was giving input and advice to people that they were asking me for. And they're like, Jerome, I want your time. I want your expertise. Could you do this for me? And I'm like, I normally don't do that. I'm only focused on my business. But the demand became so prevalent that I was like, hey, actually, I need to develop a company around this or some kind of service around this. Sure. But you could have still continued to do it without necessarily having an organized entity. So what forced you to say, okay, in spite of me having the ability to continue, I now need something actually registered with the state. I'm sorry to be so granular. It's interesting for me to find out kind of that moment of clarity. Yeah. What helped me realize is I am like systematic and 
what I really appreciate more than anything is like I get income. Like sometimes I'll take on a big project and I'll get this big lump sum and it's like, oh, yay. And I appreciate that. But what I really appreciate more is money that comes in when I haven't done anything like residual (laughs) income. So I'm like, hey, what if I could build some business or some structure around a service or something that I offer that's coming in residually? And that was the thing that made me say, hey, I need to start turning this into an actual business where I can kind of teach people and I can duplicate and I can remove myself from it. Sure. Theoretically, it's passive income, not residual. Yeah, thanks, Joaf. Passive, residual, recurring, the cash flow. That's right. That's right. So also talk about in terms of the, you know, you're in a business that you need to spend money in order to acquire assets. So talk about how you developed discipline around the financial aspects of your company. So similar to like the book that I mentioned, The Automatic Millionaire, I realized that a lot of us, we're humans. And the moment that we start acknowledging that and saying that we are irrational, we are emotional, and we can't do some of this stuff, no matter how much mind we put to it and how positive we want to think about it, the sooner we can acknowledge that and accept it, the better. And I'm saying that because I don't do it myself. I like to develop systems. Excellent. Tech. I let systems and strategies do that stuff for me so I don't have to do it. So my mind can be focused on being emotional or being creative, being stuff like that. Like money and revenue is very systematic. This comes in here, this comes in there. You need to save this here. You need to expense that here. So that's my strategy. That's my thought behind expenses. I want to get a little bit more specific about, because again, not to be too much about the product, but the whole point of of having these conversations is it is very rare for another entrepreneur to say, how do I get my profit and loss statement to make sense to me? How should I be looking at my balance sheet? I'm two years in, I'm going through three years. What should my balance sheet make to me? Have you started having those conversations yet? And who do you have those conversations with, if at all? So I do have those conversations. I have a net, like a personal network that, of friends that I with that about, it's a little informal, but it's not as valuable as, to be honest, those conversations have been coming from the mastermind that you put together. Like they have been really been having me think about like, hey, how the expense, and you hear those things, like you might hear an attorney say, hey, you should write this off and you should do that. But that advice is, you kind of have to pay for that advice every single time you need it, or you need sure. to have them on, what do you call, on retainer. You need to have that on retainer, but you know, it's like, how do you even know that? Or how do you even get there? And I started learning that this year when I started interacting and associating with this group. Got you. And you know, one of the things that in terms of finding the personnel, I think most entrepreneurs are like you, Jerome, where they begin their business because of an inherent passion, right? So it's not because they understand the legal aspects or the finance aspects or even setting up systems. It's more because of the passion. And I believe that there should be a balance of focusing on what you do, but also understanding what makes your business successful if you're considering your business an asset. So, you know, having conversations about profit and loss statements and just kind of generally having a sense of how you're making money, right? Just at the end of a month and being able to look at a document and seeing those things, I think 
it's a good habit to build early because when you start getting to say 50,000 a month, 100,000 a month or more, you need to be able to leverage your understanding of finance statements, say, to be able to get financing. And for, frankly, small companies and minority-owned companies, the tighter a ship we run, the more likely we're going to access the financing out there, you know, as compared to our counterparts. And I think it's very important for us to have a, a handle on those things. But in terms of systems, you talked about developing systems. Do you develop them for your own purposes for kind of future growth or is it for team members that you work with and you're trying to get on the same page with them? It is a combination of both and it comes from just duplication. And we were talking a little bit like about video and how I've developed videos and um, like creating systems and showing people, training people is like right now, it's easier than ever because of technology and I do it for a combination of to build out like a team for the future, as well as to train people and do it now for myself. Like, what if I forget how this thing was working? Well, guess what? I have a recording (laughs) of me walking through it. Also, there is a quote and they say, when one teaches to learn. So when I'm teaching and I'm showing someone something, I'm learning stuff as well. That's right. Can I ask you, how much did tech influence your whole mindset towards systems building and documentation? I have to say that I love tech and and it's not even tech like it has to be hardware or anything like that. It's just tech like, hey, how tech really makes a lot of things easier. I know sometimes it has conveniences, but tech allows you to do so much more. Like we went over that tool or the copywriting tool and that tool was amazing. Like I can't imagine myself personally writing like all of that content or tech is like a website that will have you schedule a client automatically and they just show up to your Zoom call. Those things like tech, I think about it in ways to leverage my time and my expertise. Another thing to touch on tech is like, okay, Jerome, I want to know how to, like I have clients, they want to set up their marketing. Jerome, I need to set up my Facebook pixel, but I don't know what to do. Well, guess what? I have this video for you and you can watch this video. And if you're still lost beyond that video, then I can help you. And you can show that video hundreds and thousands up to a millions of times. And that's just a way to leverage your resources, your information, your expertise. You know, one of the things that we are concerned about as a technology firm that wants to serve small business owners is a lot of business owners are not digital natives. So just the sense of technology adoption. Can you speak to the client base that you serve on the marketing side of your house, knowing that you recommend a lot of digital tools, how comfortable they become with the tools that you're recommending, or is it always an uphill battle? I think it's kind of in the middle and more than anything, the challenge with tech, like tech, it does get more complex, but the complexity is usually on the back end. And that's for the people that are building out and programming the technology. So to be completely honest, tech is easier. People get scared and overwhelmed from it, but it gets a lot easier because these tech companies and these people that build out this tech, they want the experience to be easy. And this is also like a large part of the reason why I recommend Tech is because, or video content is because you can show people how easy it is. Like I teach a social media mastermind and a lot of it has to do with tech and social media. And my best classes are often when I say, hey, look, this is all you have to do. 
And I'm not doing anything complex. I'm clicking, I'm dragging, I'm dropping, I'm copying and pasting. And people are like, I didn't know it was that easy. So if it's the mindset of, hey, tech is so overwhelming, I don't know where to start. And if that person or that business owner could have like maybe a pioneer or a person lead them and show them like, it's this simple, then it makes things a lot easier because tech is scary. There is so much tech out there, but it's like, look, here, here, this is all you need. Let's do this. And let me show you how easy it is with this screen recording. Absolutely. One of the areas that I think small business owners often overlook because A, they're getting into it because of their passion and B, they may not necessarily have a network is looking for advisors you did with coaches or, you know, kind of partners. How do you go about identifying those, whether it's an advisor or whether it's a partner for a particular business? Do you have any insights on that? My insight and my input on that is like, if you want a high level of success, you are going to need coaches. You're going to need mentors. You're going to need advisors. I don't know anybody that's mediocre that don't have teams of coaches, advisors, and mentors. So that's the first thing. Get in the mindset and it's like, hey, how can I get access to these coaches, these mentors, and these advisors. And sometimes you might have to pay or other times there might be like a meetup like this one, a free meetup where you can go, you can join, you can come in there. And it's not all about what you can get. What can you provide too? Sometimes people are like, I don't have any skills. You do have skills, you have experience. And if you can provide that in a mutual exchange to a person, that is a form of value too. That's a form of paying for a service as well. So it's important. If you want success, think about any successful person actresses, singers, coaches, they all have other coaches and they have advisors. And if you want to go there, if you want to be successful, you're going to need that as well. You're going to need a team. You can't have success by yourself. While we're on the topic, and I think that's perfectly said, really, there's nothing to elaborate on that, is the other side of kind of the human capital element of running a business, which is hiring. So do you have any employees Or how do you hire bringing people on in your environment generally? Yeah, so a lot of my business model is virtual. So when I was like doing like the wholesale thing, I built out an entire cold call center and I would use virtual assistants. We call them VAs. I would use Mm -hmm. virtual assistants and that's who I would hire. And I would hire them because they're, they just, they cost, they don't cost as much as like the American talent. And they do just as good as a job. So that's where can I would you give, acquire. Yeah. Can you give a cost amount that uh, you would hire at? A virtual VA. So two sites, like you mentioned Fiverr. Fiverr is a good site, but they're more for a short term. And another site is onlinejobs.ph. And that's, I believe that company and that service is based in the Philippines. And so over here, a cold caller, like an American worker, when I was in corporate America, they would hire us for ten and twelve dollars an hour. Whereas if I go on to the online jobs at PH site, I can find a cold caller or a person that's going to take phone calls for me. I can find them and I can hire them at five or six dollars per hour. So there's economies of scale. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to give people some precise numbers out there. Yeah, you were saying about hiring out. So you use outsource staffing for the most part. Yes. And I run a lean business, so I don't need a lot of staff. I am big on running like a lean business and not growing too big or needing to take on unnecessary debt. So I like to run lean businesses. Do you have specialists for every kind of central task that you have in your environment? Or do you have a generalist that can do several tasks? What 
works for you? So I have specialists and to be honest, look, I love technology. I am always looking for a technology that can make things easier or do a specific task or a specific job. Just to give some context, we talked about that writing tool, that blogging tool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is, I don't know where else you could hire someone with that kind of manpower for that price. So that's like, people are like, oh my God, software is expensive and tech. And yes, sometimes it is expensive, but when you start to consider like the human capital, all of the liabilities and stuff like that, it's almost a no brainer. So, but then let's talk about the time management part of it, right? So then you're putting another kind of component onto your plate. So do you have dedicated admin time to do certain tasks or is it once your pipeline runs up, you fill it up again? Yeah, I have dedicated time. So I'm very systematic. I have like, if I have a structure of do this at this time every day, and I just do that. And part of what we should think about is what are, as business owners, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And my strengths are technology and systems. And I also enjoy technology and systems. So that Mm. really helps when it comes to running my business, because I like to do what I like to do. It doesn't feel like work. I enjoy it. Let's talk a little bit about now that, how long have you been in business, by the way? I have been in business about five years. And under the existing brand, or has the brand that you're working under right now, is that a newer So the brand I'm working under right now is newer. I just started this brand and I was working under just my name or who I was and just providing services one off. Okay. So this brand again for the audience is? Digitalrealestatestrategy.com. And I help real estate entrepreneurs with tech and marketing. Gotcha. And so how have you been promoting this new brand? So... I provide education and I do a lot of stuff on social media. So I am an instructor for, uh, I'm a licensed real estate professional. So I'm an instructor there and I provide value through education and people come through me naturally. So I take content, I develop content where I teach people and I show them different tech, different marketing, and I'll promote that and share that on social media. Let me be clear about that. You said I help there. Do you work for a company or this is under your brand? When you talk about Uh, this training services. So the training services is like, I don't necessarily work for the company. The best way to put it is we can say I'm contracted out where I teach these agents. And that's how I go about the service. So I get promotion there by people coming and appreciating that value. And I also do the social media. And then one more is last year I started, I'm part of another mastermind around real estate agents. And they asked me to be a speaker and I became a national speaker. So I get speaking opportunities from that too. And that's how the brand grows as well. So in terms of how do you track brand growth? Is it incoming leads or is it the fact that the, you know, the flywheel of invitations to attend meetings and to do, you know, how are you determining that brand growth? So me for the brand growth is, I said like, Brand is nice, but we need to quantify. So I like to track it by numbers and just data that you can see. So that like recently I just developed a, like a Google, my business presence. And Mm -hmm. the way I'm growing that brand growth is by getting reviews. Another way I'm tracking that brand growth is by, Hey, how many clients that I have come in and pay for their service? So anything that I can quantify and crystallize is the way that I'm tracking that brand growth website. How many people are referring me? I'm tracking that. If I can quantify or crystallize, that's how I track the brand growth. Gotcha. And are you creating those metrics 
based on what you think are important or are you doing research and finding what the industry averages are, say? I believe it's a combination and probably the priority is probably what I think is important. <laughs> and uh, probably this, this is why it's important to have advisors. And I'm glad we're having this conversation because it doesn't right. matter. No, no, it doesn't no. matter what I think. You, you mm-hmm. know, you're saying you're asking me the right questions and throwing out the right suggestions. It doesn't really matter. It's like, OK, Jerome, you got those great. Let's just use reviews as an example. Jerome, you got those great reviews, but how does it quantify your bottom line? So when I want to meet with an investor, it might not. So that's why the importance of talking with a, you know, an advisor or mentor or leader, coach, or being part of like a group like this. That's why that is important. Can you give a sense of whether you've tested out various platforms coming to the topic of the day and how you evolved towards choosing one if one has sort of risen to the top? Yeah. So for me, when I'm talking about platforms, I have experience and I touched on many platforms and I'm going to go to, we're talking about platforms, social media specifically. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I've touched on like just about each of those social media platforms and I have a presence and I have a brand on just about all of them, but uh, the most effective platform and that's working in terms of, because it's quantifying and it's showing me data and it's showing me more statistics is YouTube. YouTube has Mm. probably generated me, like it was one of the first ones to generate me passive income. Yo, if I don't know, maybe I'm saying that right. And then <laughs> uh, also Facebook generates me more. Facebook is starting to generate me passive income too, but YouTube is really working because I would include like links and access to my services and people would come in and they would just pay, Hey, Jerome, I feel like I know you. I want to do this. I want to benefit by your service through this way. So I've tested all of them. YouTube is my favorite. In addition to YouTube, the reason why I like YouTube a lot is because it's evergreen platform. So that means the content will be there and people will watch your content for years to come. And also video content is just fun to create for me. Can you one drop your link in the chat so that we can get it out to people? But the other is, can you give a sense of numbers in terms of how many views you get, just how many views you get and when you start monetizing in YouTube, like what the threshold is? So... It's hard for me to give the view count unless I go in and I check like right now. But I was in there like a little bit earlier today. And one of my, I think like maybe in the last 48 hours, it's it's not a lot, but it's still growing. I got maybe a thousand views and that's constantly growing. That's YouTube because one of my videos went semi-viral. And what was the other question? Well, no, I'm, I'm fascinated by this one. I'll remember it, but talk about the video going viral while I try to pull up the other question. It was a video where I was teaching how to, in the real estate space, we just call it skip trees. And it's pretty common within the real estate industry to just find someone. So people can ask me, how do you find this? How do you do that? And I did a video on how to skip trees and find people. And that video went like, it got a lot of attention. That's what's like generating the revenue. In addition to that, during my process of becoming a licensed real estate agent, I learned about what's called affiliate marketing. Oh, you talked about monetizing. So this is where we're going to go. We talked about, there is a, we can call it a concept called affiliate marketing. And affiliate marketing is when you promote a product or service and you get a commission of that product or service. So for a long time, I took on 
I did school with this specific real estate service and I was promoting this service. And I'm like, I keep promoting this service. Is there a way for me to get a commission or benefit by promoting this service? And that I also had a video on YouTube that went semi-viral about that service. Like people are like, oh my God, Jerome, that was so helpful. You're showing us how to pass my real estate license or you're talking about and giving a testimony on getting your real estate license in Pennsylvania. And I was like, all right, can I monetize this somehow without... On YouTube, you're required to have a thousand subscribers and four thousand watch hours to get monetized by YouTube, mm. and that's when you start getting paid. But it's, it takes a lot of effort to get to that point. So I'm like, how can I monetize YouTube now? And it was through <laughs> the affiliate stuff. So I grabbed that affiliate, I signed up for that affiliate program, and I placed that link in my description and it started to monetize people would come in and i would get twenty dollars for every time someone purchased that product or purchased that service and i was like okay this is youtube is helping me monetize and it's constantly running constantly running i don't have to promote more over the long term and i don't have to pay for that promotion it's growing itself automatically but you had to have a certain profile for that affiliate link deal to be in place right some affiliate programs and some affiliate people will want you to have a certain profile, but a lot of them don't because if you can bring me business just out of nowhere, why not? It's it's free business that you're bringing for, for my company. And actually, one of the fastest ways to grow, like when you start to research like how companies grow, tech is amazing, but one of the ways that people grow and things go viral is because people share it. People share it. So there's this still that human aspect, that human capital about growing a company or growing a brand. People share stuff and that's how you grow. Awesome. Just one last question uh, before I open it up is, so it seems like you started by wholesaling and now your focus is on teaching people how to market themselves better. Can you talk about kind of the natural evolution into the training aspect of things? Yeah. So to try to keep it short, the natural evolution was within wholesaling is it is a tough part of the business. It is the easiest to start that they say, because you don't require any money. You just need some coaching and some training. However, when you start to get into wholesaling, this is the process of wholesaling is to go find a distressed owner or a distressed property and to get that property under contract and sell the contract for a certain price. But how do you get that contract or you get that homeowner? You have to find them somewhere. And in order, the way to find them is through marketing. So I picked up marketing skills by learning this wholesale process. And I had picked up like ground old school marketing skills, like knocking on the door, having phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. And remember I said, do whatever the mentor tells you to do. So that's what I was doing. So after I successfully completed that mentorship and that coaching, I was like, how can I make this into something different, something better, something with my personality that fits me, maybe something with technology. And that's what I did. I started to implement technology into my system. I built that cold call center and I picked up things and I learned like how to manage people, how to treat people. But that became overwhelming too. So I was like, all right, you know what? It's time to shut this down and become more lean. How can I find something like really like tech-based or system-based where I can still do this marketing and still generate this kind of business and have success? And that's what I, I developed. Like I was like, I, I can use 
social media. I can use Facebook. I can use tech. I can use these things to generate me business. And I still not need to manage people because again, I love us, but we are very irrational. We're going to have sick days. Our family members are going to pass away. <laughs> Family's going to get sick. We're going to have stuff like that where systems, they don't have those problems. So before I do open up to Frank and Yoa for any questions, or any, I just wanted to make a point about what you said. So there in 2020, there were 30, the SBA noted that there were 31.7 million small businesses. And 85% of those are one person businesses, which is like 26 million and change. And but the other component of just in the research that we're doing is to say the amount of one person businesses that are between half a million dollars and under a million dollars. And then over a million dollars is increasing year on year, I think by 15%. So I think the idea of putting systems in place, understanding where to hire, understanding how technology sort of helps exponentiate is a word that I'm making up, but, you know, just kind of extends your capacity to, you know, market and do certain things, I think is absolutely critical in it. And it's part of what we're trying to accomplish at Frasier. So, you have any questions for Jerome, Frank, any questions for Jerome or comments? About First of all, I want to say that I'm really impressed with Jerome. I really like the way he thinks in the way he presents things, except for one minor thing with, <laughs> we talked about. But except for that, I mean, he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, the only issue that I have is when he talks about mentors, you, you really have to trust a mentor that he knows what he's doing. And this is the toughest part for me, at least, that I think some of the people out there are just charlatans. They just talk a lot, but they don't know their stuff as good as they think they know it. And to trust somebody, the way you said it is like, if it, even if it goes against my grain, I will listen to him and do what he mm. wants. I really appreciate that, that you can do that. I personally cannot do it. Because I, some people, I think, are not that smart, and they are trying to preach stuff that I disagree with. But if you can do it, it's amazing. So that's the only two cents I want to add. Yeah, my, I'm my, really impressed my, with what you do. I appreciate that, Yoav. I, I appreciate you as a person. And my only challenge is that you, uh, I don't want you to go against the fiber or like what's right in your heart. I don't want you to go against that, but it's things like, hey, yeah, you might think that technology is the best way to get a lead, but try my way, try my way. So don't go against your fiber. Don't go against your morals with a mentor. In addition to like helping, like find that mentor, tap into your network. So like when you come to this call consistently, talk to Kahiga, Kahiga about you know, a mentor or somebody that he trusts. Get your trusted mentorship and your coaching from people that you already trust. I think that's the real issue in terms of, I think people undervalue the time and energy saved by relying on a network to get a referral. You know, I've mentioned already the extent to which I've leveraged relationships in this group to help my network solve some, you know, kind of pointed issues. So yeah, it's just, you know, people, it really could not be undervalued. Frank, just any questions for Jerome before we, you know, we wrap up? Well, I don't have too much questions. I think just hearing about real estate, 
uh, has me has me thinking about some ideas. I mean, of my own ideas with technology. So uh, I just want to ask, like, where where do you see like real estate going into like in the future? Is it just gonna be? I guess I know from my experience. I think there's like different types of real estate things like you can do digital but digital can also mean like maybe like augmented realities or stuff like that new technology so are you trying to tap into like that new that new i guess hardware or are you just doing software or something no so i have a marketing business which is mostly what we talk about today but i'm also within the real estate industry and we buy and sell houses is the best way to put it some some people right. buy some people sell and mm-hmm. in terms of like technology and where i see it going i don't know i don't have a crystal ball and i'll never be able to say I, this is going here however uh, things are changing and technology is helping change real estate so uh, something that's really interested between real estate and technology are 3d printers and we have 3d printers printing yeah. entire mm-hmm. houses so it's a good thing and i'm excited and i'm looking forward to that but that is the extent of my expertise in terms of what you just asked oh yeah definitely yeah i heard about that a little bit too it sounds yeah, it sounds very interesting and hope that, uh, well, they continue your work. It sounds all good. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Frank. Jerome, just to kind of finish off, thanks so much. I think this is probably the new format that we'll be using. So anybody who <laughs> shows up next week will be kind of pointed towards the podcast. But just as we're going out, Thank you again for sharing it. You know, you covered a lot of the points that we're trying to address with Frasier in terms of that fundamental layer on, you know, below the service delivery in terms of one, giving yourself permission to run business, two, setting up the infrastructure, and then also kind of evolving towards, you know, I start here, but I end up here for now. And I may, you know, kind of add a few moves as I go along. So I think all of that has been uh, very interesting. So, Jerome Lewis, thank you so much for being our first guest on the Meet Frazier podcast. Can you, again, for the audience, just your name, your business, how we can find you? Absolutely. So first, before that, though, I, I want to thank you. This was spontaneous, but it was fun. And I think <laughs> there's still a lot of value in it. So I sure. appreciate you. Sure. And just for the audience, a little bit about me again, my name is Jerome Lewis. I specialize in digital marketing within the real estate industry. And to find out more about me and my company, you can visit www.digitalrealestatestrategy.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, my good friend. I appreciate everybody coming through. Yoav, if you show up early, you're going to be on deck for the <laughs> for the podcast. Uh, next um... Thanks for joining us once again for another episode of Frasier. To find out more about all of today's stories or to view our extensive range of content, simply visit meetfraser.com. Join us again next time as we welcome some of the most fascinating personalities and innovators and take a deep dive into their experiences, stories, and advice. That's here, only on Frasier.